Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All coaches aspire to be champions, and this time of year is when you set that vision for your team. By now, listeners of this podcast know about signature championship rings and have met some of the signature champion coaches who partner with them to celebrate their achievements. Reputable, affordable, first-class customer service are just some of the ways we keep hearing coaches describe signature championship rings. So as you're ramping up this summer for the upcoming season, create a championship vision for your team now using the design tool at signaturechampions.com podcast. Give your team a visual to motivate their pursuit of a championship in 2024. And when your team has a championship moment to celebrate, we highly recommend consulting with Signature Championship Rings. We want to coach from the eye of the hurricane. And so there's so much going on. There's all these different narratives. You know, you got one receiver who thinks he should touch the ball more. You, th- you know, somebody's dad thinks that you should be calling more run plays. There's all these things going on. And us as coaches, we have to be able to create solutions from the eye of the hurricane with all that chaos. We have to see things in a really clear way. And then we have to be able to come up with ways to fix problems. Today's clinic series episode is a segment of Eastern Washington offensive coordinator and QB coach Jimmy Chapin. No matter what position you coach, the model Coach Chapin provides can be applied to building your unit and position culture. Success often hinges on a team's ability to create a strong, cohesive culture. This is especially true when it comes to developing a successful quarterback. At Eastern Washington, the coaching staff places a significant emphasis on cultivating a culture that fosters growth, resilience, and a collective mindset among their players. The quarterback position is seen as a leadership role that requires not only skill and talent, but also a deep understanding of the team's culture and values. The culture at Eastern Washington is built on the foundation of collective identity and systematic group behavior. Coach Chapin emphasizes the importance of players embracing their roles within the team and understanding that individual expectations are tied to the collective unit. This approach fosters a sustainable model of excellence that maximizes individual potential while also contributing to the team's success. It's clear that the coaching staff at Eastern prioritizes creating that environment where players are encouraged to embrace the team's values and work towards that common goal. In addition, Coach Chapin will delve into the pass game organization, and he gives an example of sharing the basics of their stoplight progression. If you purchase the Lawrence First and Goal Premium Pass available for both individuals and staffs, You get immediate access to this presentation as well as the 120 others from 2023 and you'll have that access until the new clinic begins on February 29th. The pass also includes your ticket to the 2024 Lawrence First and Goal Clinic plus year-long access to all of the presentations from 2024. So check the show notes for the link. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. 
Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective, so I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www dot teammofo.com slash demo and mention coach and coordinator podcast or use the coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. We've had a long history at Eastern Washington of being really successful out on the red and scoring a lot of points. So eager to share with you guys a little bit of what we do and what's helped our quarterbacks be successful over the years. First of all, a little bit about me. So I joined the, the staff last year. I'm a Michigan native, so that means uh, I really like Bob Seeger and Eminem, not so much Kid Rock. I uh, believe in Detroit-style pizza, and I drive an American-made car, but I'm an adopted Washingtonian. Really happy to be here. Love the east side of the state. Love Eastern University. The Spokane area has been incredible. I've been really fortunate over the years to be surrounded by great coaches that have helped me along the way, and I want to make sure that I pay that forward however I can. And I don't have all the answers, but I'd love to help you and your program however I can. So... I want to start out uh, with culture and the starting point for whether it's quarterback play, whether it's offense, whether it's team for us is always going to be culture and how we do things is going to determine what we ultimately do. So what is culture and why it's important? And we'll get into route combinations and all those fun things in a little bit here. But I know in my past, there's been really successful seasons and there's been seasons where maybe weren't as successful as their talent. And part of the reason why this teams that we had overachieved was the, the culture that we had. And so we want to develop a collective identity, a systematic group behavior. It's us and then it's we. Why does it matter? We want to create a sustainability of action. And no different than right now, you know, there's three inches of snow outside and our guys have to make the determination of what are they going to do today and who are they going to be today? And if we have uh, consistency in what we do based on who we are, we're only going to maximize our output. And we need a bunch of guys that appreciate their role. You know, the quarterback position, there's one guy that plays and it's not. It's not like everywhere else. And so we have to create, hey, if you're the backup quarterback, you have to be the, the best backup quarterback in America. You have no idea when you're going to get called. If you're a scout team quarterback, you got to be the best scout team quarterback in America. If you're our seventh wide receiver, you have to be the seventh best wide receiver in America. And that helps define individual expectations when all those things don't matter. The only thing that matters is that you have a role in our system, in our unit. And if you buy into our culture, then your actions are going to live up to, to our greater unit expectations. And so this ultimately determines our event response. And so 
2018, I was an offense coordinator at the University of Sioux Falls, and we were loaded. Uh, we had a left tackle. It still starts the charges this day. We had a national player of the year candidate at running back, really talented quarterback, really talented receivers, a right tackle who had a minicamp with the, the Colts. But we underachieved. And, like, you look at the stats, and, man, we were really dynamic, but we lost close games. And the following year, a bunch of those guys graduated. Our superstar player got hurt. Our best receiver tore his ACL. Pretty much everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, but we were better. We had more wins. And it was really because that offseason, we doubled down on our culture and we wanted to do things a certain way. And we felt like when things got difficult and you had close games, that the teams with uh, a more cohesive culture were going to be more successful. And we found that to be true. And so since that, we've really tried to focus on that as uh, as day in and day out. It's something that we preach. And so ultimately, coach culture matters because it is who we are and what we do. So us as coaches, and this is a little bit of a mission statement, but it's we're here as coaches at Eastern because we believe it's it's our job to produce and we can produce the most dominant offense in the nation. But it also simultaneously embodies our values, our love of football, our enthusiasm, uh, enthusiasm for life. We strive to build a sustainable model of excellence that maximizes us as individuals to accomplish greatness as a team. We can win championships our way, the EKG way. So. Why it matters as coaches is that we want to build something that uh, that we take pride in and our players embrace. You know, you'd be amazed that, you know, there's college football programs out there where coaches walk down the hall and maybe don't say hi to their players. And that's never going to help maximize what you're doing. And so we feel like if we prioritize our culture as coaches and we think about how we interact with people, how we coach people, how we interact with each other, we feel like our players are going to follow that mold. So buy-in requires constant action and constant cultivation. So if you want to be about something, it, it, it's not just talk. It's not just lip service. You have to focus on it and take action every day. So we want to build something that our players want to buy into, too. We want to develop and give them as much ownership as humanly possible. So we spend a lot of time with our players and figuring out what do you want to be? What do you want to stand for? What do you want our MO to be? So, it, again, it defines who we are and it defines our identity. And so for us as coaches, we want to create and maintain a constant set of ex expectations for actions. It's so easy when you can bring a kid into your office, close the door and say, hey, that's not what we do. And they know immediately what you mean by that. It's extremely powerful when they know their individual expectations and actions are tied to our collective unit. So this is a little bit more about our, our coaches and our culture among coaches. And this hangs in our staff room. It did at the University of Sioux Falls as well. I really believe in all these things. The first and foremost, it's the most important thing is putting players first. And, you know, I know us coaches, we get wrapped up into our jobs, our lives, and we have to find a way to be an advocate for players. And they all have their own individual narratives. They have their own individual needs. And sometimes if we don't look and ask the right questions, we don't know what's going on in their life. But if they know that we're going to be advocates for them, well, first of all, we as coaches, we're going to sleep at night really well. But we can, at the end of our lives, look back and go, I was doing right by our players. And I think that from what our experience is, if we do those things and we do things right, that we contribute to our players, the more that we're going to get out of our players. We want to exist outside of our bubble. And we call that humility. And so quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. But again, you just don't know what your freshman third string guard is going through. And if you can step into his shoes and realize the things that he's going through could be totally different than anything that you are. I think that's really, really powerful. And so we want to kind of exist outside of our own needs as coaches. So being positive in the present, I really believe in this too, that positivity, statistically speaking, makes us smarter, more creative, more energetic, and better leaders. And if we're in the business of winning, it's no different than, well, lifting weights makes us better. Well, if being positive makes you better, then we should probably do that.
And it's so simple, but I think it's really powerful. Create solutions. Uh, one of my our tight ends coach, this is his personal favorite. There's always going to be problems and things go wrong. Like there, there always is. And you have to be able to look yourself in the mirror as a coach and make the determination before all those things happen that we can solve all those things. Like you're going to go through injuries and great teams. They know how to weather the storm and keep on going. You adjust with poise, keep your knees bent, head on a swivel and adjust. So constructive conflict, conflict in our staff room is essential. And we want to, we want to coach from the eye of the hurricane. And so there's so much going on. There's all these different narratives. You know, you got one receiver who thinks he's touched the ball more. You think, you know, somebody's dad thinks that you should be calling more run plays. There's all these things going on. And us as coaches, we have to be able to create solutions from the eye of the hurricane with all that chaos. We have to see things in a really clear way. And then we have to be able to come up with ways to fix problems and then being process oriented. So logistics versus tactics, we want to be efficient and intentional in everything that we do. So whether that's scheme, whether it's install, it's meetings, it's indie, we want to fight this thing as if it's a war and not just focus on the battle. So I'm a nerd. And so I was a history major at the University of Michigan. I'll remember it forever. I took a class, World War II in the Pacific. And the day one of the class, Professor Strutt's in there and he says, hey, listen, we're going to talk about Midway. We're going to talk about Pearl Harbor. We're going to talk about all these things, these very specific details, these tactics and decisions that were made. They said the United States was going to win World War II because we fed our troops. We had medicine. We had tanks. And Japan had horses and couldn't feed their troops. And so we want to develop an offense kind of using that same mantra where what are we doing in February to get better as an offense? And then is that sustainable over the course of the year? And so we want to take action in a way that it's not just about those great play calls on third downs. It's, hey, we're doing something in March that's going to help us in September. And the last thing, professional coaches equals professional players. You know, our guys will mimic everything that we do, whether that's punctuality, body language, positivity, how you treat people. If you walk by a stranger and your player sees you behind you, just walk by them. Well, they're going to do the same thing. But if you say hi to somebody, that's something that's going to resonate with them. So our culture exists in between the white lines too. And all that means is if you're different on the field than you are in the classroom, they're going to know. And all of a sudden that creates that distrust. So we want to think we before me. And so we kind of tell our guys the hardest thing that we're going to ask of them of all the things is to put somebody else's needs in front of their own needs. That's the hardest thing any of us do. And so we have to find a way to convince our players to think us first and me second. And then instilling belief. I think this really pertains to quarterback play, especially. We want to train them to attack. We want to train them to be fearless. If you believe in them, they'll believe in themselves. Coach it. We showed our guys the video from maybe some of you guys are from the, the Midwest. Remember this 10, 15 years ago, Mike Barros is the strength coach at Michigan. And there was a kid, Brock Mueller, uh, his younger brother played in Michigan, but there was a, a really traumatic car accident. And so Mike Barros found out about the story two years after the fact and helped this kid who was paralyzed from the waist down walk again. And for two years, training, PT didn't help him. And then it just took this one man, this one strength coach to say, no, you're going to walk again. Are you ready to work? And then all of a sudden he did. And that's so powerful that it's that mentality that if you can instill your players that same way, I think that they can be unbelievably courageous and they can play and maximize their potential. Six second mentality, the old Nick Saban snap to whistle. Who are you? That's the only thing that matters. They're going to put the football down. You got to do it all over again. Then the last thing really important is embracing collective success, the filter of win. So us as coaches, if it helps us win, we do it. If it doesn't help us win, we don't do it. And so sometimes that means it's depth chart. Sometimes that means it's play calls. It's what do we do as a program? If it's yes, it helps us win. We, we're going to do those things. And our players 
they're going to buy into that too if they know we're making those same decisions. So culture ultimately determines if we maximize or minimize our potential. So now I'm going to kind of transition a little bit more of quarterback culture and how that kind of goes into how we we teach the position. In the quarterback room, we want guys that lead from the front. Quarterback is a position where everybody knows when you make a mistake. One of my high school coaches is, is on this call right now, and I have this vivid memory of being a senior in high school and my math teacher talking to another teacher about a pick I threw the night before. Like That's a true story. And that takes a lot of courage for our players to go out in front of 10,000 people and not be afraid of making mistakes. You got to be the first one out of the tunnel, not like in a metaphorical way, but in a literal way, like I can handle all things. And leading from the front is really, really, really important to our guys to know people are going to throw stones and that's okay. You have to be able to just let them bounce off you. It's part of the position. People judge you when you have a great job. And our kids, people judge you because you are the quarterback at Eastern Washington. That's pretty darn special. And so they want to embrace that kind of that lead from the front mantra. Uh, shooters mentality. I'm a huge Michigan basketball fan, went to Michigan. They had this kid, Duncan Robinson, came off the bench when they went to the national championship game in 2018. And, you know, he, he was a sixth man, great player, great athlete, but he wasn't really a pro guy. And then the Miami Heat said, no, I think he could be a pro guy. And they basically told Duncan, like, hey, if we're going to send you the G League. And if you pass up a three-point shot, we're going to cut you. And so he spent a year in the G League and he led the league in three-point attempts. And it was a way of creating confidence in a way of saying, hey, we want you to pull the trigger. And we want to do the same thing with our quarterbacks. So ultimately, that kid made the NBA. And at one point, was the number one three-point percentage shooter in the league. And so we want our quarterbacks to think the same way. If Steph Curry misses 10 threes in a row, he's going to shoot 11, 12, 13, 14. If we throw five incompletions in a row, you got to keep going. You throw a pick. It's not going to be a run play the next time we try it out there. I promise you it's going to be a pass. You know, we put you out there because we trust you to do the job. Respecting the game, this was really kind of a cool lesson for our kids this year. You know, we we played down at Florida. You know, we played Oregon, and I joke with our, our quarterbacks, like, hey, these guys on defense, their coaches are getting paid a million dollars to disguise their, you know, third down pressure. So you better know what all 11 guys are doing on defense. And so we know there's great coaches. We know there's great players. We want to embrace that and we want to have the respect for what everybody else in the field is doing and the way they're being coached and developed and respecting the football. We know the turnover differential wins. We have a big thing in our locker room, 68 and three in the last decade when we win the turnover margin. So if that's ultimately going to be a factor of winning and losing, then we need to, again, make the decisions that are going to help us win. You don't need to force that ball in third and 13. We can take that sack and that's okay. Again, Respecting the football is going to contribute to our outcome, so let's respect the football. And then being the toughest man in the field, we want this to be bigger than football. And so adversity is part of life. That's just one of the few guarantees that we can provide for our players. And football is one of the great sports where you have to be unselfish. People are counting on you. The left guard is counting on the quarterback to do his job. The quarterback is counting on the why. Everyone has their own job. And being the toughest man in the field means that when things go awry, you keep on going and you have the courage to continue over and over and over again, regardless of circumstance. And that's what toughness is. If you can do that for other people over and over and over again, then you're invincible. And so we want our quarterbacks to be that way. As far as our goals. So what our goals are, it's a little different. And so it's not like, hey, completion percentage and touchdowns and all that stuff. It's that we want to have a growth mindset. And so we don't want to live in a world that being driven by being big, fast, strong, smart. We want our guys to think about being bigger, faster, stronger, smarter, better, process-oriented. So like on my dry erase board right over there, it's the number of throws that these guys have had in, in, in the winter. And so every time they throw a ball, they come in and they, they write it up. 
So now it's in the thousands. Every time they come in and have their own film sessions, they, they write it up. And so now you got, you know, 25. And so that's pretty cool. But that's just a way to reinforce. We want to get better wherever we were today. We want to be better than that tomorrow. Then doing that, living that lifestyle is how we're going to become really, really special. So quarterback recognition at Eastern since 2008. Uh, we've had four different first team All-American quarterbacks here, some national player of the years, incredible players. Some guys are still playing the USFL, CFL. Eric Barrier was uh, a really, really, really special kid. Started here for a number of years. The Big Sky Conference leading passer all time, touchdowns, total yards, yards. I mean, just electric. And so we've had some really, really special guys that have done some special things here with some of the things that we still run in offense. So jumping into pass game organization, what we want to do is create a family of read progressions. So instead of just having very specific, hey, on this play, this is what you do. On the next play, this is what you do. We want to water it down to the point where it can all be categorized in a way of, hey, if you understand this read progression, well, now we can have 20 different different route combinations, but using that same read progression. And so first of all, it, it it creates a quarterback friendly offense. You know, I, I heard Lincoln Riley one time say that if you don't have a quarterback friendly offense, you need a new, you need a new offense. And I, I think that's totally true is that you want to allow them to go play. Uh, we want to keep it simple for our quarterbacks by limiting the number of new reads. So instead of going into a game week and say, Hey, we're going to do this great new play. Well, that's, that's a quick way to throw an interception. Maybe there's tweaks, but if it's using a foundational teaching progression and uh, a way that we run our route combinations, they're going to be able to execute it. And so creating versatility and flexibility in game plans without slowing the quarterback down with new. I think us as coaches, again, you got to remember, these guys have other things going on in their life. You know, I don't have an economics exam on Wednesday, and some of our quarterbacks do. And so I have to remember that on uh, on Wednesday of week six. And so we need to make uh, our, our game plans versatile and flexible, but using our core philosophies. So foundational learning, building from the ground up. So, you know, we brought in two junior college quarterbacks at mid-year. And the first time we met with these dudes, we started going through how we do things like they were just overwhelmed. But once they understand those building blocks, then we can expand. And now as we get into spring ball, they're going to learn install 10 and go, oh, it's like that. OK, perfect. So I hate to say it's like the transitive property is like this and then that. But that's kind of how we teach our pass game. Uh, we want to create consistent rhythm and timing cues. So as long as they feel it's no different than going to the free throw line. You know, we use a lot of basketball analogies, apparently. But when you go to the free throw line, you have the, OK, I'm going to take two dribbles, take a deep breath and shoot. If we can create the same consistent rhythm and timing cues, our kids are going to be better. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of uh, the inner game of tennis. It's a, like a 125 page book. And it's this guy that was a tennis uh, you know, coach and he would coach tennis, elite tennis players. And it was really powerful because the book is basically like, yeah, no, I just hit balls at them. And then they just practiced and then they just hit them back. And it's not like, okay, well, your wrist needs to do this. Your elbow needs to do this. It's muscle memory. And so if you're in a seven on seven talking about how your quarterback's elbow needs to drop or doesn't drop, I mean, that, that's, that's not going to be helpful. You want those guys to practice the skills that they need to get better at. They want to develop a way within their own body to feel that. And in our past game, we want to have that same type of growth where it's rhythm and timing cues, and then we can deliver the football on time. And the last one builds confidence and lets the quarterback spin the rock with conviction. It's a big deal. Uh, it's like uh, Tom Brady's first game when Drew Bledsoe got hurt and Charlie Weiss and Bill Belichick are over there and they're like, hey, you know, check the ball down. And Drew Bledsoe 
I'm going to say it delicately. I'm not going to use the exact language he's, he says, but he's like, oh, screw that. Spin it. And I think that's something so powerful that you want those guys to go play the game, have fun doing it and playing with conviction. So the first one of our pass game families is what we call a stoplight progression. And so that little stoplight thing in the middle of the screen is going to show up in our playbook. So as they go open day one fall camp install, it's, hey, there's a stoplight. And if we can teach our quarterbacks early on of, hey, this is what a stoplight progression means, then as they go into day eight, nine, ten, or as we get into week eight, nine, ten, they can look up and go, okay, there's a stoplight progression. I understand where my eyes are going to go to first. I understand what my drop's going to be. I understand the rhythm and spacing, and we can really build. So what a stoplight progression, the basics of it, it's a field quick game concept with a boundary drop back. And so we don't really teach it that way to the quarterbacks, but that's what it is. And so by the time the quarterback gets to the top is drop, it's a simple yes, no to the field. And so we teach it as, hey, it's either a green light, ball comes out, so there's not going to be a get to my drop, hitch, hitch, wait. What's what does it look like? It's I'm going to know my foot's anchored, ball's going to be gone. Now that just means it's a green light. If I don't like it, and sometimes that means it's the wrong coverage for that particular quick game concept, that means the red light, my eyes are off it. And as I hitch, I'm away from that route. And so it's just a quick, easy way to get the ball out fast. And if it's not, we feel like we have coverage beaters. So the quarterback will then hitch his eyes and feet inside out to the boundary. And that's the consistent rhythm. And so we have several different route combinations that use this same type of learning progression. So we teach the reads as what we call pure progression. So instead of saying, hey, we're going to read the boundary safety or the field nickel or the inside linebacker for our drop back pass game, it's more going from offense player to offense player to offense player. And then you can actually kind of soft focus the defense players instead of staring at a defense player and God forbid you throw it to that guy that you're focused on. We prefer it the other way around where so pure progression for us means it's going to be route to route to route. And the last thing is not picking side of the field based on coverage. So some of these route combinations, if you were to open them up, you'd go, OK, well, this is this coverage beater and this is that coverage beater. But again, having the respect for the game, we go against great defense coaches and great defense in the base guy conference. And so we want to put our quarterbacks in position to say, hey, this is what the pre-snap disguise is. Even if I'm wrong, the way that this thing unfolds post-snap, I'm not going to be wrong and the outcome won't be wrong. Be sure to check the description in the show notes for the link to the Lawrence 2024 first and goal premium individual and staff passes. Go to coachingcoordinator.com to follow all we're doing and sign up for a weekly tip sheet, which shares the best ideas from each week. And follow us on X at Coach K Grabowski.